Heal broken hearts. Save man's soul. Lord Jesus, today, speak to me. In Jesus' name, amen. Now look at your neighbor and hold up your hands and say, let me see those hands. You're going to find out why in just a minute, but let me see those hands. Take a look at those hands again one more time. Let me see those hands. And don't be high-fiving each other. That ain't right. Okay. All right. Let's have a little fun. Let, hold up your hands. Let me see your hands. Now let's wave them. Okay. <laughs> I just thought that'd be fun. I know it. Christian, help me out. Would you start this one on this side? And Patrick, if you'll start this one on that side. Thank you. This is the sign-up sheet for our fish fry next Sunday night. We need, we're going to provide the fish, the drinks, plates, glasses, all that. We need you to provide all the rest of the stuff. So that's what this, these sheets are. So please put in there one or two boxes that you'll bring stuff. And if you've got uh, family or friends coming, be sure and check all boxes. No, I'm teasing. But uh, bring plenty. Bring plenty. And we usually have plenty. God always provides. And uh, the fish, I think we, we do 70 pounds of uh, catfish fillets. And it's gone pretty good. <laughs> usually the, the, there's, a, there's more out sampling, I think, than are in eating. But nevertheless, um, it, it's a great time. Six o'clock, we have the Joyful Noise Quartet from uh, uh, Broken Arrow. He'll be here to sing. They're, they invited themselves to the fish fry to sing. So... Uh, I'm excited about having them back, and uh, it'll be a lot of fun. So hopefully hopefully you will be able to come, that you'll be able to bring a friend or two or 12, and uh, let's just have a great time in the Lord. Amen? Because it will be a great time in the Lord. I want to talk to you today, uh, before we start our series on uh, Not a Fan, I want to talk to you today, just a standalone sermon, being the hands of Christ. We need to learn how to be the hands of God the feet of God, the mind of God, the eyes of God, the mouth of God. And we're going to be looking in Romans chapter 12. So if you have your Bibles that you held up, let's go there to Romans chapter 12. And uh, we're going to uh, look at, begin at verse 9 through verses 21. And uh, if you'll get there and follow along, I'm reading out of the New American Standard Version. Uh, your version may be different, and that's okay, because I think you're gonna, we're going to get to the uh, same information, and that's what's important, is that we get to the same information. Romans 12, begin at verse 9, and it says this, follow along with me, let love be without hypocrisy, I believe we've already read that, haven't we? Abhor what is evil, cling to what is good, be devoted to one another in brotherly love, give preference to one another in honor, not lagging behind in diligence fervent in spirit, serving the Lord, rejoicing in hope, persevering in tribulation, devoted to prayer, contributing to the needs of the saints, practicing hospitality. Verse 14, bless those who persecute you, bless and do not curse. Verse 15, rejoice with those who rejoice, weep with those who weep, be of the same mind toward one another, do not be haughty in mind, but associate with the lowly, do not be wise in your own estimation. Never pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what is right in the sight of all men. And if possible, so far as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. 
Never take your own revenge, beloved, but leave room for the wrath of God, for it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Now verse 20, But if your enemy is hungry, feed him, and if he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing you will heap burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Amen? Powerful section of scripture. There's a picture up on the screen. And the stories told of this picture during World War II, when the Nazis were bombing London, there was an Anglican church that had a statue of Jesus on their church lawn, and its arms were outstretched. And the caption below the statue read this, Come unto me, all you, you who labor and are heavy laden. Well, the bombs fell, and the Anglican church was destroyed, and the statue blown up. The members of the church started to rebuild the church and they wanted to replace the statue and they started to do that and discovered the arms and hands were so pulverized from the bombings that it couldn't be salvaged. So they chose to remanufacture new hands and arms for the statue but realized that it couldn't really be done well and so they decided not to. So today that statue of Jesus Christ stands outside the London church with no arms, no hands. But the caption has changed, and here's what the caption now says. Christ has no hands but your hands, and Christ has no arms but our arms. You see, we're the body of Christ. And if the body of Christ is going to move, it's going to be with our feet. If the body of Christ is going to hug, it's going to be with our arms. If the body of Christ is going to speak, it's going to be through our mouth. If we're going to do anything for Christ, then we as the body need to do what Christ has called us to do. There's an old song that says, you're the only Jesus some will ever see. And the words keep going. You're the only words of life some will ever read. So let them see in you the one in who is all they'll ever need. You're the only Jesus some will ever see. Now, I want you to think about that this morning. Sometimes people don't need to hear what we say. They need to see how we live. And we live in a time when we need people who are consistent and authentic in their walk with God. We need to be Christ followers. Remember I told you a few weeks ago that I'm I'm not... uh, I'm not so sold on the name Christian anymore because I think we've taken that word and just it applies to so many things and people use it as an excuse. But when you're a Christ follower, you're going to do things a little bit different. You're going to do things different. And you should do things different because we need to be Christ followers. But if I'm the only Jesus that some will ever see, are they getting a clear picture? Will they know what Jesus looks like when they look at me? Would they desire to have Jesus in their lives because of what they see in me? You know, there are some eternal implications to people watching us. It was so interesting the other night on the sidelines, the football game. And there were some terrible, terrible calls by the referee. Terrible calls. Did I say terrible calls? And one of, one of my stat partners started yelling at the referee. 
And our coaches are going to love it. I hit him. I said, hey, be quiet. And he looked at me and said, you're telling me to be quiet? I said, I want you to stay on the sideline with me. Don't say it too loud. Because sometimes they ask people that do stats to leave the sideline. Only in Bartlesville, but they sometimes ask you to do that. <clears throat> so I was trying to take care of my brother in, in Christ there. But what do people see? Do they see Christ? Would they be compelled to come to Christ by looking at our lives? It's a great chapter, section of, uh, of Scripture in chapter 12. Paul starts the chapter by urging us to present our bodies as sacrifices. And he says it's our spiritual worship to do that. You know what the problem is with a living sacrifice, don't you? It keeps crawling off the altar. <laughs> Did you get that? No laughs, no amens. Somebody, let's go back to the hand thing. No, okay. And he piggybacks that message and reminds us what it means to be God's. Today's message is just going to be like a, a, a bunch of bullet points about how we're supposed to be. Verse 13 of our text sets the stage for what comes later. In Galatians chapter 5, there are nine fruit of the Spirit. But what are the first three? Do any of you know right off the top of your head? Love, joy, peace. There's six more. And some of us that are Bible scholars, we could rattle those off, couldn't we? I'm not one of those guys, but some of us could do that. But I want to focus on those three this morning. Love, joy, and peace. Because see, if we're going to be the hands of, of Jesus, we must possess sincere love. Love without hypocrisy. The word sincere means no wax. Back in Latin time, when potters would make pots, and some of those pots had imperfections, they'd use wax to fill the cracks, then they would paint the pot and they'd sell it as is. Then when the folks would get them home and they begin to use those pots, instead of just looking at them, if they put anything hot in the pots, guess what? Wax would melt. Guess what? Pot falls apart. So it became very important So for potters, if they were selling their pots, to advertise no wax. No wax. That meant you had an authentic pot here. Is there any wax in us? Does Jesus look at us and see the authentic, the real person that we say we are? Are we one way on Sunday and Monday through Saturday a whole different person? Can we hold our tongue in the midst of struggle or do we just let them, boy, just roll right on out? And then say, pardon my French. <clears throat> hypocrite means wearing a mask so are you one way or are you always the same way it's tough sometimes isn't it it's tough life is tough 
You've got people at work that wear masks, don't they? Oh, my goodness. If the right organization comes along, man, they're philanthropic. Then you have another group come along that, giving them a dime. Get away. All weekend long, you're going to have, at every stop corner in America, you're going to have firemen out there, instead of fighting fires, getting money in their boot. And they'll come stand at your window and shake their boot at you until you get something in there, don't they? Well, they're not quite that bad. But every, all of us, we pull up to the corner and we go, oh no, here we are here again. And we're just waiting. We're hoping the light turns green before they can ever get eye contact with you, right? Don't ever give them eye contact. But if you give them eye contact, that means you're giving them money. So if you don't have money out in your hand, ready to roll down your window and just throw it in the back and go. That's us, isn't it? That's the way we are with Christ. I only need him when I need him. I only need him when I need him. When I don't need him, don't mess with me. I want to go to that party on Friday night. Don't mess with me. I want to hang out with those people I shouldn't hang out with. Don't mess with me. I want to say whatever I want to say. Don't mess with me. I want to behave exactly the way I want to behave. Don't, don't mess with me. I'm going to watch what I want to watch. Don't mess with me. It really speaks of our personal decision to follow Christ in the first place, doesn't it? When a person trusts Christ for their forgiveness of sin and place their faith in Him by turning from sin to Christ, they embrace His love, His great love for them. And there's really no explanation except that God's love is shown to them and they have sincerely responded to that love. And you know why it gets exciting? Because it does get exciting. It's because there's a great result. There's a great result. And the result is, is that we detest evil and we cling to what is good and we show our spiritual family brotherly love even to the point of outdoing each other and displaying honor and love. We are diligent and we're fervent and we serve the Lord together. Woo! Nothing better. There's nothing better than serving the Lord together. One of my thrills in life is to watch our young people serve God. Every month, every fourth Wednesday of the month, I get to go watch our young people serve the homeless at John 3.16. It's awesome. You might want to tag along some Wednesday night just to watch. We took 20 of the goofiest looking teenagers I've ever seen down, downtown. I couldn't tell if some of them were with us or with the homeless. I wasn't sure. But when it came time to serve, there wasn't any question why they were there. When it came time to mop and sweep the floors, there's no reason for me to even doubt why they were there. The kids that were washing dishes, not a complaint one out of them. That's, that's what it's all about. Folks, serving other people, clinging to what is good. With sincere love is present, selfish hate is dismissed. Maybe another way to look at it is darkness is the absence of light. Hate or those hard feelings is the absence of love. Because if you hate somebody, you can't love. If you had hard feelings, you can't love. And I know it's hard. I know it's hard. But would you consider the love chapter of the Bible? Anybody know where it's located? 1 Corinthians 
13, excellent. Most people think that was written for people in love and for marriages, for weddings. <laughs> it's actually written to the church. Because in chapter 12, Paul talks about the giftedness in the church. In chapter 14, he talks about corporate worship and how all should be in order and in peace. And, but in between that, sandwiched between the two, is 13 when he talks about love. And he says, love is the greatest gift of all. Though I speak with the tongues of men and of angels. <laughs> but I don't love you. What good is it? What good is it? I've got to love you, don't I? My job is to love you, not judge you. Here's the amen hand. I'll, I'll wait for you to catch up. Amen. All of you awake now? Amen. There we go. Hallelujah on this side. Hallelujah. How about amen? Amen. Hallelujah. amen? Hallelujah. All right. Now that you're awake. We've got to have unconditional love. Secondly, to be the hands of Jesus, we've got to possess supernatural joy. The text says rejoice. Authentic rejoicing comes out of a heart that's overflowing with joy. In Luke 15, the prodigal son came home and the father said, rejoice, my son has come home again. Now that's real emotion, isn't it? Rejoicing is... Real emotion. The OU team was rejoicing later in the fourth quarter when they finally were able to score more touchdowns than UTEP. OSU was rejoicing when they came out of the locker room. Those are the hardest games to watch and to coach and to play because it seems like everything you do, you score. And you get to feel sorry for the other team. Did you see it? I saw it. The other team intercepted a pass, but nobody knew it on the other side because they were all like this. They were already at 35 to nothing. It's hard, isn't it? It's the same way it is with life. When you see people that aren't really followers of Christ and you know they're not, and they seem to be prospering, and then you that are following Christ, you're suffering, and you're behind, and you can't get caught up, it doesn't seem right or fair, and why in the world? But what about that supernatural joy that passes all understanding? That's what he's talking about here. If you're going to have the hands of Jesus, you've got, to, you've got to have that. Paul's in prison, and he says, I rejoice in my sufferings for you. Rejoice in the Lord always. I say again, rejoice. Now, how does he do that? Well, he understood the principle that he mentions in verse 12. It's the type of hope that's not possible. Unless there's a relationship in the one who controls the future. I'm totally optimistic about our country's future. Why? Because I don't care who occupies the White House. Because I know who sits on the throne. Almighty God. There'll be a day when everybody will come into account for the Lord. Amen. Oh, I'm sorry, that's hallelujah. Amen. Yeah, they will. They'll come into account. You and I both will. And the Bible says that he will judge our deeds, both good and evil, by the way. I don't know about you, but I'm not ready to stand up to that. Because <laughs> see, I'm a preacher, and I get, I'm going to have a stricter judgment than you are. Did you know that? 
Read James 3. You'll find out. I'm a preacher, and so I get stricter judgment than you do. Well, I'm going to quit being a preacher then. Nah. Nah. I love this too much. I love watching God do incredible things through you. You see, it's Jesus' death, burial, and resurrection and His ascension to heaven that gives us supernatural joy. All the way there's is focus on that. There's the good stuff, amen? We can sit back and relax. If everything's falling apart around you, it's no big deal. Well, well preacher, they're going to kill you. Okay, I get to go to heaven now. Isn't ultimately our goal to be in heaven? Okay, I don't want to go right now, but if that's, if that's what I need to do, let's go, Amen? But no, no, too many people are living, I, 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 I'm not ready. I, 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 I. Now, they got all kinds of excuses. Why not now? Not now, not now. And the Bible says, be ready to go like a thief in the night. Be ready. Leave as, live as though you're leaving here today. Be ready to go. Woo, amen. What if you get to go home today? That'd be awesome, wouldn't it? Cindy and I were out shopping yesterday and took our granddaughter Kelsey with us. And we were gone for quite a few hours. And Kelsey popped up in the back seat. She says, Grandpa, I think my mom's starting to miss me. <laughs> Somebody's missing somebody. I think mom was appreciative of the peace and quiet for a few minutes. But that supernatural joy that comes, people who are patient in affliction, Persistent in prayer. When trouble comes, they're okay. That's that supernatural. And it doesn't happen by circumstances. It happens by a relationship that's in us. With Almighty God. And it will come because. I read a great story. About a lady named Kathleen Barrett. The story that she wrote goes this way. In the past, store clerks were often rude to me, but I attributed it to the notion that they weren't getting paid enough. Well, she trusted Christ as her Savior, and things, in fact, the whole world began to change. She says that store clerks became nicer, the sun shone brighter, birds chirped more freely, flowers bloomed more beautifully. Of course, I thought the world had changed, and then she realized it was me that was doing the changing. Boy, that's the truth, isn't it? When the joy, that supernatural joy comes in here, circumstances don't matter. It don't matter. Just the love of Jesus coming out. The love of Jesus coming out. And you know, it takes a while sometimes for that to be developed. But knowing Jesus in a personal, intimate way makes all the difference in the world. And the truth is, whatever's in our heart is exactly what overflows out of our heart. Love, joy, and then number three, to be the hands of Jesus, we've got to possess spiritual peace. In verses 14 through 20 of Romans 12, there's a deep sense that the only, the only way to act and react and respond to Jesus, to becoming his hands, is to have the peace that passes all understanding. Ephesians 4 says the spiritual peace is what God was sent to give us. Christ came to give us spiritual peace. And he gave a deposit called the Holy Spirit to make that happen. To make it real. To make us remember. We're reminded in Romans 8. 
The mindset of the Spirit is life and peace. Peace is one of the common prayers Paul offers in his letters because peace is such an integral part of the life of a believer. Can you be in chaos and still be at peace? Can you have chaos around you and still find peace in the midst of it? Oof. That's what we're looking for. It doesn't matter how the election goes in November. I'm praying it goes a certain way. I'm sure you are too. But it really doesn't matter ultimately because God is the one that's on the throne and God's the one that I'm going to serve. Now, man may decide I've got to do more for him. But when he tells me I've got to violate God, now we've got a problem. And any country that's willing to legislate and pay for the killing of babies is not a country that God's going to bless. And you and I live in one of them. And it's high time it changed. We've tried it the other way. Why don't we try it God's way? Uh, because we Christians have sat back and said, ah, oh, it'll never happen here. <laughs> it is, it has, and we're in the midst of it. Let me give you three quick closing observations. First, we're taught how to handle our enemies in verses 14, 17, 19, and 20. Look what it says. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. 17, do not pay back evil for evil to anyone. Respect what's right in the sight of all men. 19, never take your own revenge, beloved. Believe room for the wrath of God, for it's written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. 20, but if your enemy's hungry, feed him. If he's thirsty, give him a drink, for in so doing, you will heat burning coals on his head. You got somebody at work that you're not getting along with? Start taking them a cup of coffee. Bring them a donut and a cup of coffee. Do something great for them. Do something nice for them. Do something really good for them. They will not know how to handle you. And then they're going to look at you, okay, what, did you put poison in it? Though that crossed your mind, you're going to practice the truth of this verse. Don't let vengeance take over on your side. I've seen this principle work in my own life. I've had people do it to me. And that's when the principle really became real. And I don't know about you, but as I read those verses, I find it really hard, difficult to do. Do any of you? I I do. I, I if I've got an enemy, I'm, I, I struggle with I struggle with pushing, pushing past that. But yet I need to push past it. I must push past it. Because if I give it any more thought, Satan has a foothold. And I can't let him have a foothold in my life. So I'm going to abolish and demolish all of his uh, footholds, all of his foundations that he's trying to build. And I'm going to keep building God's foundation. Keep building on God's foundation. Because, you know, truly it is hard to do on humans, human terms. That's why it's a supernatural thing. That's why you can do this under the power and leadership of the Holy Spirit in your life. You can do this. And you can accomplish great things if you allow yourself to do it and be led by the Lord. Secondly, the second observation I want you to pick up here is that we're taught to show empathy, not sympathy. Rejoice and weep with others. Feel their hurts and understand. This blanket will be delivered to a person that has leukemia. She'll put the blanket around her. She'll know. If she's a woman of faith, she'll know. Any of you that have received one of these blankets, and some of you have, you've all testified the difference when you've got that blanket close to you. There's nothing about the blanket 
There's nothing about the cloth. There's really nothing about the tassels hanging off, but it's about the prayer of faith of the people who tie the knot in your, in your faith and receive it. Amen? And then third observation is that we see how to use our energies. When you look at the bullet points of the message today, try to do what's honorable. As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone. Don't be proud or wise in our own minds. Things will come from a heart of the spiritual, not from the flesh. The peace this world gives is simply the absence of conflict. Spiritual peace is much deeper. It's a peace in the soul, the spirit, in the heart. It's a peace which is birthed from a sincere love and a supernatural joy. Stories told of a missionary who was lost at sea and presumed dead. He washed up on a beach where a tribe took him in, nursed him to health, and where he lived then for the next 20 years. He never gave a verbal witness in all those years, but he cared, he befriended, he consoled the people who nursed him to health. 20 years later, missionaries came to that island and they were telling the people about Jesus. And the people of the island looked at the missionaries who came and said, why are you telling us this story? He's been living with us for 20 years. I've heard the Bible stories about Jesus of Galilee, how he used his hands to heal the sick and make the blind man see. When the multitudes were hungry, compassionate hands gave them bread. When broken hearts were grieving, loving heart hands raised the dead. When his followers were frightened, mighty hands calmed the sea. When Zacchaeus looked for him, friendly hands brought him down from that tree. When the woman at the well searched for God, teaching hands showed her the way. When his disciples needed his strength or help, prayerful hands taught them to pray. But I'd only heard the stories, I'd never seen the hands, till I saw you with the children. Then I began to understand, your hands are his hands. You surrendered them to his will. Now he works through your hands and touches children still. Thank you for the hands that teach, that lead in love throughout the year. And thank you for the chance to see Jesus' hands are still working here. Father, I ask you this morning to do a supernatural movement among your people here. God, we need to be reassured every day and in every way that you love us. But God, more than that, we need to be understanding of the fact that you need us to be your hands, your feet, your eyes, your mouths. And Father, we need to do that walk in you and that work in you and through you. Thank you for supernaturally providing for us. Thank you that you love us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you want to spend forever with us. Thank you, Lord, that even though we have messed up, tripped up, fouled up, that you still love us. You still want to use us. If we will but let you, you'll do great things. And so, Father, when I think of Labor Day and we take a holiday from the work that we normally do, would we never forget that our work for you 
never stops. Because it's not so much the labor that we do, but by the way we live, by the way we speak, by the way we act. As St. Francis of Assisi said, we must preach every day of our lives and if possible, use words. So God, today, will you find in us vessels ready to be used in Jesus' name. Amen.